This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. You are listening to Quick to Listen. I'm Morgan Lee, and I'm an assistant editor here at Christianity Today. And each week on this show, we go beyond hashtags, we go beyond hot takes, and we set aside some intentional time to explore the reality behind a major cultural event. Today, I am joined, as always, by Caitlin Beatty. Caitlin, hey. Hey, how's it going? What's going on, Caitlin? I am so excited about this episode, (laughs) and I hope our listeners are too. I am the print managing editor here at Christianity Today, and this week, we are pleased to be joined by Zakia Jackson. Hey, Zakia. Hi. Thanks so much for being with us today. Yeah, it's my pleasure. So glad to be here. So Zakia is an amazingly impressive person with a very long, uh, impressive resume. <laughs> she's currently... Get ready, everybody. <laughs> she's currently the director of partnerships at a nonprofit based in Washington, D.C., um, mobilizing people of faith around the issue of public education. Uh, before that, she was at the DeVos Urban Leadership Initiative in Grand Rapids, She's a financial advisor and member of the National Leadership Cohort of the Christian Community Development Association. And two years ago, she was named as one of Christianity Today's 33 under 33 leaders to watch. Thanks so much for being with us, Akia. Yeah, this is wonderful. I'm delighted to um, to be here with you guys. I, and I just want to say I love the name of the show, Quick to Listen. So oh, good. That that was all Morgan. No, actually, it was all the Bible, guys. Yeah, it was it was James. James just didn't know how relevant he'd be for the 21st century, apparently. Away slowly from the mic, Morgan. That was. <laughs> all right. So right now, Zakia, nobody knows exactly why you're on the show. And no one knows why Caitlin is so excited to have the show. So we're not going to just draw the suspense that much longer. All right, guys, here we go. So most of the stuff that we talk about on the show is complex. And there's a lot of stuff to unpack. And guess what? This week is not an exception. Like always on the show, we're going to try and acknowledge what's going on, figure out what's going on, and then think about as Christians how we're going to respond to it. And this week, what we're going to be talking about is Beyonce's new album, Lemonade. I know we all saw that coming. (laughs) I was going to say, raise your hand if you've listened to Lemonade. But I actually don't think that the audience will be able to register that. So <laughs> I'm sure it will come out in everyone's enthusiasm for the subject. You may have seen Beyonce pretty recently performing at this year's Super Bowl. She also has songs, popular songs like Single Ladies, Irreplaceable, Crazy in Love. She is married to Jay-Z, who may be one of the top hip-hop artists of our times. And together they have a daughter named Blue Ivy. So I'm just going to give you guys some details for Beyonce's new album, which came out on Saturday. The album basically initially came out only on Tidal, which was started by Jay-Z, who's Beyonce's husband, and it was only available for streaming on Tidal. And then earlier this week, it was made available for download on iTunes um, and Amazon, and it's estimated that it sold 200,000 copies in its first day. It is expected to sell more than 600,000 copies this week. It was Tidal, which was, again, the place where it was exclusively from at the beginning, became the third most downloaded free app on Apple. When this initially came out, and Lemonade is on top of the iTunes charts right mm-hmm. now. Um, so I say all this because she came out with an album, but the big thing that I also really want to emphasize is this is a visual album, and it's meant to be enjoyed kind of the same way that you would watch a movie as opposed to just kind of listening to it with your earbuds. So as we kind of like process 
the colossal impact of this album. Um, we're going to dive into a gut check. Um, and the way that the gut check work is that we're just going to get everyone's initial response in about 140 characters or so, give or take, um, to this album. So, Zakia, can you start us out? Absolutely. Um, you know, the very first thing that I felt was I feel heard. I feel heard. Someone is listening and paying attention, and I feel so heard. Um, and the second thing is I got to make some more lemonade. Mm. <laughs> is that a way of saying you kind of felt convicted by it? Um, I think empowered is mm. a better word. Mm-hmm. Yep. Caitlin? So I heard on Sunday that Beyonce had dropped this visual album the night before. And by the way, Beyonce can just like drop things on the internet and people go crazy. She needs no <laughs> like publicity, you know, before these events and immediately watched it on Sunday night and then watched it again last night. I think it's, it is such a visual album. It's visually stunning, full of so much symbolism. And I, I picked up on so many more things the second time. And then also saw some spiritual themes that I don't think I kind of anticipated going into it. But I think there's a lot there that people with a spiritual center can unpack and talk about. So excited to do that today. My gut check occurred like most of these things that we talk about on the show occurred via Twitter. And I noted to myself that Beyonce has done something again, but of course done something again was like in capital letters. Um, And also I was kind of curious about like what a visual album was and what the significance of that was. So I guess my interest was a little piqued about the, the medium that, this was actually crafted and sent out in. So as we transition into the main discussion, I would like all of us to kind of just talk about what we find compelling about Beyonce, what makes her unique, and what do you specifically find in her artwork that moves you? I'm going to kick that off to you, Zakia. You know, I think that Beyonce is unapologetically Beyonce and relatable. So I do think that there are other artists who are unapologetic about how they are, but they're also hard for masses of amounts of people to relate to, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they can be very niche to just this one corner or group of people. But Beyonce, I, I think from the beginning has had a wide appeal when she was in Destiny's Child. And she is just, she's just going to do what Beyonce is going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Like, She's going to perform and create and energizes as she wishes with no chill, no <laughs> concerns. She's not going to be worried about um, all the stuff that people put on women. And, and then in Black women in particular, she's going to perform and express the way that she wants to and the way that she thinks is best. I think her artwork, it just really moves me because it says, I see you. I validate you. You as a woman are okay. You're more than okay. You as a single woman who can't get so-and-so to put a ring on it. like <laughs> That is my favorite Beyonce song, <laughs> at least before this album, and is like one of the best pop songs I think ever written. Just a little aside on the single yeah. ladies. <laughs> yeah, like her, her being bold is not a new thing, right? Like, yeah. It's 
not unique to this album. She's maybe bold in some ways she hasn't been before, but her being bold in general is not unique. Her saying in the face of uh, men being uncomfortable with women and men making more money than women, she makes a song called Who Runs the World? Girls, right? Like, mm-hmm. I love that she's just so unapologetically Beyonce and that she is quite relatable. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. She's Beyonce strikes me as someone who's really versatile and complex. Like she can do the dance, like the dancey pop song, but then she can also write a really gorgeous anthem to her husband, you know, and she is obvi- obviously, you know, sexuality is a part of her performance as an artist, but something that's so refreshing about her is it's not just one dimensional sexuality. It's like in in the context of her relationship to jay-z it's not what you expect from a lot of other pop stars where it's just like i'm i'm a sexual object for you to watch and enjoy you see a lot of agency i think and ownership of her own sexuality that i think is much healthier than a lot of what else we see in the pop music world this past video with lemonade just very free of a particular gaze just to kind of define the term gaze i often hear it in g-a-z-e G-A-Z-E. Correct. <laughs> Thank you. Applied to the what we might call like the male gaze, but I think it goes back to what you guys are both talking about with ownership and being bold. A gaze is kind of performing in a way that you're expecting a particular demographic to watch and appreciate you and be self-conscious of what that that may do and in a way that often can be oppressive. And I feel like at least what I watched felt very distinct and apart and liberated from any different type of gaze other than what her standards of beautiful and creative were at that moment. Yeah, I had a coworker point out earlier this week that toward the beginning of the album where she's in like the very classic yellow dress and is like one of the best songs on the album, she is taking this bat and smashing all these car windows and then at the very end she actually turns the bat on the camera itself. And he pointed out that it was like her smashing the male gaze which I hadn't thought about it and I was like disappointed that I hadn't thought of it first. <laughs> but it was so interesting. It was like, yeah, I think that might be what she's doing. And there are not very many men in this visual album. Like you see Jay-Z at certain points. You see like little boys running around at certain points or like men in neighborhoods. But generally you're seeing not just Beyonce, but like groups of African-American women standing together or doing things together. And that has a lot of, it seems to have a lot of symbolic strength and intentionality. And it's so powerful, right? Like the representation, the um, identification as a black woman. I'm I'm jumping ahead a little, Morgan. Sorry. No, sorry. (laughs) No, sorry. Uh -uh. You're going to get the sorry song stuck in my head though. Um, It's just, it's powerful. I, I, Somebody was critiquing, I saw some critique on Facebook um, about the the video that you just mentioned of her smashing cars and how that was a bad example and she's being a bad role model, all of this kind of stuff. And I said, you know, to me, it, it was amazing because she's expressing anger and frustration when we are portrayed by anything, right? But by life in particular, whatever it is, whether or not it has to do with a person, a particular person, you know, as a black woman, it could be about a system. It could be the mothers of Trayvon Martin and Mike Brown, just this sense of portrayal. She is showing it 
and how we want to react sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. We, um, in everyday life, sometimes want to get our um, bat named hot sauce and swing it everywhere. (laughs) I just just noticed that. I had not seen that until someone like posted a clip that the word hot sauce is on the bat that she's wielding. (laughs) So epic. But like, but you know, to, to the point that I think it's funny that some people think she's implying that we should all go get bats because even that video itself is very whimsical. Like the music at the end is so whimsical. It's to me, it's very clear that she's living out for us something that we can't do. So she's pretending, right? Or that even the cars are symbols, right? Of something that's, I think of what cars mean in culture, right? And so you could see them as like a capitalist symbol or a symbol of independence or a symbol of making it. But whatever type of validation that people may uh, attribute to cars, it's almost as if she's saying, that doesn't matter. I don't need that. Yeah, it's... What I loved most of all about Israel and why I became a Zionist was because Zionism was a rejection of victimhood. A few weeks ago on CT's The Bulletin, we launched Promised Land, a new podcast about Israel and Palestine in a post-October 7th world. 6.30 a.m. we're we're in in our synagogue praying and sirens go off and and they're going on. Based on interviews and conversations captured on the ground in Israel last November, it's an exploration of the spiritual, political, and historical roots of the conflict. When there's a weak Israel, every Jew in the world is weak. And why should uh, a Russian Jew who has nothing to do with this land come, come here? Why? I mean, if you want, you can give them Texas. You love them so much. I am alive because I wasn't, I, I didn't come home. But hey, all my friends that were here were murdered. Here, here, over there. This week, Promised Land moves to its own feed. You'll find links in the show notes. So if you haven't heard it yet, you can go catch up and catch the new episodes as they come all in one place. Again, it's so funny. Like, we don't think that men are being inappropriate in action movies when they blow <laughs> stuff up. And like, I loved the Captain America movie. I wasn't mad at Samuel L. Jackson for breaking everything. I don't think they were being bad examples. If there are some little boys that start breaking everything, yes, that is bad. But we are able to distinguish when something is real and something isn't. And I think, why be so critical of Beyonce when we're not critical of others, right? Why? let that be a race and gender thing. Don't let it. Yeah, it just shows you kind of the additional pressure that women in the public square, especially black women, have on like expectations and fitting or not fitting into certain stereotypes and not offending. And and Beyonce seems to have like risen above it all. And that's why she's such a powerful icon is because she's kind of defying in a very explicit way, like the expectations that we place on on women. Yeah. You know, Beyonce's significance then, as, as you both are saying, does seem to be very closely tied to her identity as a black woman. And I just want to unpack a little bit more why that is important and why that does resonate so much. Yeah. You know, we've already started into it, but there are just as black women, we are consistently fed this lie that something is wrong with us that we're not okay the way we are. It's not okay when we feel pain. 
to be angry about it or to be hurt or disappointed. We're told directly and indirectly that we deserve violence, right? That we deserve to not make as much money as our peers, that we deserve to not let a white woman know when she has crossed the line. We're not supposed to tell her. We're not supposed to give evidence that that's too much, right? Hmm. But at that same time, we are said we're not pretty or that we're too, um, our thighs are too thick or all of these sorts of things. But at the same time, we're exoticized and appropriated, right? Um, that's, that's terrible. And that can be so damaging to, um, to how we interact with the world. And Beyonce in this video is visually clearly visually, as one of you pointed out, because 98% of the people in this um, video documentary thing are black women, she's affirming that we're beautiful and alive and human, that we're allowed to feel anger, we're allowed to feel rage, we're allowed to feel betrayed by systems or husbands and boyfriends or families and even by the church, right? There's a lot of spirituality in this. There's evidence of her wrestling or the person wrestling with God. And all of that is allowed. You know, (laughs) we're allowed to have thick thighs that save lives. Thank you, Serena Williams, right? (laughs) Who makes who makes a really big appearance in in the video. It's so beautiful. And I think, you know, just let me The point about Serena, it's so significant to have Serena because at the end of last year, when there was all this debate about whether Serena should be sports person of the year or not, there were a lot of people rallying for not Serena, but for a horse to be sports person of a year. So Serena doesn't eat like maybe she's not human too. So the significance of having her, the significance of having all the little black girls running around with unpressed hair and and being just cute and playing with their friends is tremendous. You know, she had ballerinas in there. I mean, there's just the full spectrum. She had, again, the mothers of unarmed young black men Mm -hmm. that have killed in the last year. That is is just so beautiful. It's, yeah, it's so moving and so beautiful. Yeah, I think it shows that Beyonce is so attuned to, like, broader conversations that she and that she she sees herself as speaking directly into those conversations maybe not by like writing an essay for the Atlantic like Ta-Nehisi Coates or leading an organization but because she knows she understands the power that she has to really shape minds and hearts around these issues and so much of the symbolism in the video like these images speak a thousand words you know we don't need like the analysis they they communicate so powerfully. I like what you said about the analysis. I'm over analytical myself sometimes. Like I get it, you know, (laughs) you know, people, there's all this controversy. Should we allow Beyonce to be an activist? Is she really an activist? Can Beyonce really speak about God? Is she really a Christian? Uh. You know, all of these things. (laughs) And to me, I'm just so amazed by it. Beyonce is being an artist. And her art is used for activism. Awesome. She's making a statement. We don't have to be able to categorize her as all of these other things, right? (laughs) 
she's allowed to talk about her experience with God, too. It doesn't mean that she's a preacher. We don't have to ask her to be a preacher. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and that that criticism of, of her is all the more why it's it's awesome that she is unapologetically black. I saw I saw one thing on Twitter. Um, she <laughs> that said that lemonade was southern fried womanism at its finest (laughs) yeah i've heard that well help me so i've seen womanism or womanist like used to describe the video like help me understand what that means like as a is as a tradition of thought or of practice like what does it mean for the video to be womanist yeah womanist womanism rose up out of a response to feminism not being inclusive of black women. So a feminist movement fighting for the rights, saying that they're fighting for the rights of all women, but really in practical ways, only fighting for the rights of white women. So womanism is about the intersectionality. In part, it's about the intersectionality that black women experience as often being isolated from conversations around gender because it's not Mm. about us, but then often also being isolated from conversations about race because it's about black men instead of us as well. But I I will say also particular to womanism is is a, at least in my expression of it, you could find someone else who will say something differently, right? But is the belief that womanism and its pursuit of liberation for black women is also liberative to all women, right? And to all people. Womanism and its expression, which should not create oppression for others, Mm -hmm. which is why I believe Beyonce's video can appeal to so many people. She's celebrating blackness and black women, but she's not outcrying white women right she's not saying you guys all leave mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. thanks so much for unpacking that for us Sakia. i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the religious imagery that we see throughout the visual album so in the part of the visual album that she denotes as denial for instance we see a bible we see her dive into water in a way that does invoke baptism and then actually later on in the in the video overall, um, she talks about being baptized. But heading back to that video, um, she talks about going to the basement where she con- she said, I confessed my sins and was baptized in a river. I got on my knees and I said, amen. And I said, I mean, hmm. I'm wondering if there were other religious or Christian references that you guys picked up on and kind of how you interpreted those and what they meant to you. Yeah. You know, during the during the um, anger sequence. There was a sign that reads, God is God and I am not. And it was quick. Like, if you weren't paying attention, you could have missed it. Um, but, but when that sign comes up, it's while Beyonce is also referencing letting go. So this, the, this, in this part of the anger sequence, it really is about being really frustrated and angry. And, you know, this isn't right, what I have experienced. But even in the midst of that, there's this acknowledgement, God is God and I am not. And I can't, I can't control all of this, right? I, I love that because this, this place of letting go is one, acknowledging that God is bigger than me and all of this. And I realize that. And two, I can't make everything the way I want it to be. Um, and I guess I'd add one more thing. Three, 
those first things being true, it's still okay for me to be angry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still mad mm-hmm. about the fact even. Perhaps I'm mad that God is God and I am not yes. today. You know, <laughs> like, mm-hmm. I want to make everything the way I think it should be. And I'm angry that I can't, but still I want to acknowledge that God is God and I am not. So for listeners who haven't seen the video, each song is kind of introduced with one phrase or word that sets the tone for the song. So you see anger, you see emptiness, you see forgiveness, you see redemption. Resurrection. Do you? Mm -hmm. Okay, I missed that one. Okay, that seems to have some religious (laughs) significance. And I would say the tone of the album in very general terms moves from like negative emotions or like hard emotions to this place of redemption or peace or reconciliation. Raw emotions at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, and it it kind of brought to mind like the Psalms. We we actually have a place in the Christian tradition for really hard words to God, sometimes words against God, raw emotions about circumstances, about feeling powerless, about feeling unheard or threatened. And so Oh, I think what's so refreshing about Lemonade is is Beyonce saying, as a human, it, it is okay. And as, as a spiritual person, it is okay to feel all of these emotions. And in fact, as Christians, it kind of made me wonder, like, why why are we so uncomfortable with mm-hmm. displays of anger? You know, even when they don't include the symbol of, like, taking a bat and smashing a car window, like, this makes us uncomfortable. And why is that when we have... I'm pretty sure there's lots of violent images that are in the book of Psalms, too. Right, right, exactly. So in in the range of emotions, I think it really made me think of the Psalms. And, and it seems like everything is ultimately reflective of Beyonce's relationship with God. God is a character or is a subject in this video, even though we don't see him. Right. And, you know, to the point about the resurrection sequence, it... It starts with a older woman, her voice, and she says, how are we supposed to lead our children to the future? What are we supposed to do? Which is really powerful because we have, um, this is where we see these mothers in, in this scene. And we also see young black actresses and, and other women. And after she says, you know, what are we, we supposed to do with our children? The woman says, Who do you call when the wall is against your back and your back is against the wall? Jesus, right? Mm -hmm. She starts talking about Jesus. The Lord. The Lord. This is it. This is the only thing you can do. (laughs) Yeah, you can't get more like explicitly (laughs) Jesus-y than that, saying like, (laughs) Jesus is the way, you know? Right, right. The only, the thing after that, if it weren't a music video, the thing after that would have been an altar call, right? (laughs) (laughs) Well... Formation is like an altar call for some yeah, people. Seriously. I like can't yeah, stop watching seriously. it. <laughs> um, the last thing that just really spoke to me was again what something's been talked about a lot is just just the beautiful nature of it and how compelling artistry can be mm-hmm. and thoughtfulness and having a good eye and then sharing something that is just very compelling in that way. I'm only bringing that up partly because we talk about it CT, but one of our aims is to be beautiful um, and using that as something that is very core to, to how we understand what our mission looks like. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Lemonade is exactly kind of like 
captures that beautiful part of it. You know, there's one other, just on this point that you're making, there's one other direct reference to God that I think, um, again, shows that, that God is just present in all kinds of moments. And that, to me, is really beautiful. But there's a part in the emptiness, there's a sequence called emptiness, and she talks about God being present and what is supposed to be a really intimate moment between a woman and a man. Mm-hmm. But the implication is that that moment feels really empty to her, right? Mm-hmm. But that God is there in that really low moment. That's so great. <laughs> we need to talk about that. We need to talk about intimacy even and God's presence in it and how it's not always fulfilling. And But God is there. And what does that mean? And how is God a part of this in, in, our, in our lives? So yeah, I love that. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to the Beyonce Bible study. Whoever, <laughs> 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 but you can also download on Title. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you all for really leaning into that and bringing a lot of good food for thought. For those of you who again want to chime in on this conversation, we are on Twitter at CT Podcasts. We are on Facebook at facebook.com/ct podcast. It is now time for precious moments. Precious moments. This is the time in the show we go around. Here was something really great and happy and joyful that is going on in everyone's lives. Um, and then you all share where people can follow you online. Sakia, can you kick us off? I have two, obviously two, twin nieces um, <laughs> who are about to turn one years old. And I just bought plane tickets to go spend time with them in the Bay Area for their first birthday. Last summer, I brought them onesies that say Black Girl Magic. And (laughs) (laughs) Auntie Z has one as well. And they're just, they're so delightful. They're so amazing, so beautiful. And so I'm really excited to go be with them and my sister and her husband, whom I just love them all so much. Where can people find you online? You can find me online on Twitter. Uh, my uh, handle is at Zakia, Z A K I Y A N A E M A J A C K, Zakia Naima Jack. And then I write for Collected Young Minds. It's just collectedyoungminds.org. And we're also on Twitter at C Y M Engage, E N G A G E. Cool. Thank you. My precious moment for the week is very much on topic. <laughs> um, a friend and I are actually going to go see Beyonce when she's in Chicago at Soldier Field at the end of May. So I'm really looking forward to that concert. I've never seen her live, but I can't imagine that it'll be anything less than spectacular. And listeners can find me also on Twitter at Caitlin Beatty. Um, my precious moment is that it's my birthday today. What? Woo! I didn't realize that. <laughs> you should have mentioned this earlier. Oh, well, now I got the raw emotion. <laughs> happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Thank you. Birthday shoes at the moment, so it must be for you. It's not my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great, though. It's my birthday, too. Like, what? <laughs> so if you're a good listener, then you'll tweet at me, happy birthday. No, it's okay. I'm just kidding. But you can find me on Twitter if you do decide to do that at, at M-E-P-A-Y-N-L. And get this, guys, if you listen to the new episode of The Calling, which is our other podcast, 
I'm going to tell you what all those initials are that I always tell you what they are. And that's if you download the newest one. It came out on Wednesday. Anyway, thank you, everybody. It was awesome talking. Um, We are just so grateful for another episode of Quick to Listen. Our show is produced by Richard Clark and Cray Alred. Special thanks to you, Kate Shellnut. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Overcast. If you like the show, please show us that you like the show by rating and reviewing us on iTunes. That really does help us a lot. We will see you all next week. Bye. Bye.